You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. NBA All-Star Weekend is over, meaning Charlotte Hornets basketball is back, baby. Some of you are not as excited as I am. I get it. Fully, some of you were cringing as I said that. But yes, there are 22 basketball games remaining for the club in Charlotte. And so on today's episode, we're just going to run through why you should keep watching these Hornets down the stretch. I'm going to give you some reasons. I'm going to throw them at you. Hopefully they stick. Hopefully like, you, you know, maybe when... Uh, you made spaghetti or something like that when when you were younger. Did any of you guys ever, to test if the noodle was done, throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks? Okay, the noodle's done. That's what I'm going to try to do today. I'm going to cook that pasta up. I'm going to throw it up against the wall, and then hopefully it sticks for some of you. All right? Some of you are already in. You're like, yeah, I, I, I want to see this team down the stretch, see what it looks like heading into the offseason. Some of you are like, man, I'm done with this team. I ain't trying to see Anything that they have to offer anymore, too much pain, wasted season, nothing on the line, I'm out. Hopefully I can throw a couple things at you, which will then in turn maybe pique your interest a little bit for the rest of the season. And then, of course, we're going to talk a little bit about NBA All-Star Weekend. There's been a lot of discussion about it. Is it broken? What it needs to be done in order to fix it. We're going to tr- get into those realms just a little. We usually try to stay just Hornet specific on here, but we're going to stretch out. The Hornets are part of the NBA. Now, were they part of the NBA All-Star Weekend? No. <laughs> been It's been a tough season, guys. been tough. But we are going to stretch out and, and delve into that conversation just a little bit. I'm going to be f- flying solo today just me. Sometimes you just got to keep grinding alone. I've had a lot of great guests on these most recent episodes, but today you give me Joshua Balta, solo ride coming at you. Now, jumping right in, why you should keep watching these Charlotte Hornets down the stretch. Reason number one, LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball needs to continue developing. And so watching that development down the stretch is worth the price of admission. It's worth the time seeing is he making better decisions. How is his chemistry with his new starting center and really his entire center rotation being in Mark Williams and Nick Richards? What is that chemistry like? Uh, Is he making better decisions uh, shooting efficiency, is that climbing? Is he getting back to you know more so where he was last year in his all-star season? Those things matter down the stretch. LaMelo Ball has four straight double-doubles, all of those being points and assists. His rebounds have gone up ever since uh, Steve Clifford made his statement You know, in the post-game uh, conference. He made a joke, and nobody – laughed. I I don't know why they did Cliff like that. That was awful. It was a good one. It, it, it was solid. It was a solid joke from Dad Clifford. And so LaMelo's 
rebounds have increased. He's been right on the uh, verge of triple-double land here over the last four games. Right there, eight, nine rebounds. But his assist totals have increased. And so his last four games, he has double-doubles in points and assists, which is a good sign. We see that LaMelo Ball is still pass first. Eh. He's pass, shoot, equal. I think that's probably the best way to put it because we know that LaMelo Ball does seek out his shot, whether that be from three or coming off a screen, getting downhill, doing his little, hitting his little free throw floater. Uh, he's even added that little mid-range jump shot to his game this season that we haven't seen in his previous two. So that right there, just further development, finishing at the rim at a higher clip, making those better decisions. LaMelo Ball has 22 games to increase those things and to make better those areas and improve his game. And so LaMelo Ball won. That's uh, and, and for a lot of people, that's all you really need, okay? You just need LaMelo Ball improving. That's what you want to see. You want to see him um, going at guys and just really competing defensively as well. Obviously, that's probably his biggest area in which he needs improvement, not even just probably it is. And so just he gets caught ball watching a lot of time, off ball. And so his guy sneaks back door, uh, he cuts, and like uh, a lot of times LaMelo is paying more attention to the to the guy with the ball, even though that's not his man. And so just improving in those areas, that's what you want to see from LaMelo ball down the stretch. Number two, you got Mark Williams averaging 11 and 8 ever since the Mason Plumlee trade. He has two double-doubles in that time, and in that time frame as well, averaging two and a half blocks per game. The Charlotte Hornets have not had that kind of production in the block category in quite some time. Now, I know if you go back to Bismack Biombo, uh there were some games where Biz was blocking a lot of shots, but at the same time, there wasn't a deterrent at the rim either. Like it's it's hard to equate that sometimes. Yes, Biz was accruing some blocks during that time, but just his overall presence at the rim wasn't really deterring people to go at him at the rim. Like, yes, because he's the center, because he was athletic, because he was lengthy, he got some blocks, but he didn't necessarily deter people from attacking the rim to where Mark Williams, his size, his athleticism, his agility, his ability to deter people at the rim just because of the physical attributes that this man has, that alone, plus the blocks, that's more so. And this is what we've been looking for in Charlotte for quite some time out of that center position, is somebody who will deter opposing players from coming into the paint and attacking the rim. At least thinking twice about it. Because the Charlotte Hornets haven't had that in quite some time. And so... For a rookie to come in over his last four starts since the Mason Plumley deal, 11 and 8, multiple double doubles, um, 
and those blocks, deterring at the rim, things like that. Watching him improve, watching his chemistry improve with LaMelo Ball in the pick and roll, uh, just offensively as well. He's shown the ability to hit, you know, that little mid-range jumper, not from 18 feet, but more like 10, 12. Uh, he, he's shown the ability to do so. He's got good hands. And so just watching him further develop his game, that's something to look forward to down this stretch. P.J. Washington. This is another Hornets player who has seen increased production since the Mason Plumlee trade. Now, we've kind of been on this roller coaster all year long. This roller coaster of P.J. Washington where he strings together a few good games and then all of a sudden he just dies off a cliff where he's going one from one for nine from the field, four points, three rebounds in 32 minutes of play. It's like, what, what is this? And then the next game he comes back and he scores 18 and grabs seven boards and has a couple blocks and all the things, right? And so we've just been on this roller coaster ride with PJ all season long. Since the Mason Plumlee trade, PJ Washington is averaging 20 points, seven rebounds, and two blocks per game. And so with Mason Plumlee, the offense didn't run through him because it was still LaMelo's offense. But Mason Plumley had heavy prints on the half-court offense, setting those high screens, uh, handing the ball off. It seemed in the half-court, Mason Plumley oftentimes coming up, setting those screens, maybe getting a pass to him, and then guys running off of him, maybe he'd hand it off, or looking for those backdoor cuts oftentimes from Terry Rozier uh, or to Terry Rozier, things of that nature. Mason Plumley had the ball in his hands quite often in the half court. And sometimes he's bringing the ball up the floor, which drove this fan base crazy. Sometimes you'd get good point Plumley, and the other times you wouldn't. And so Mason Plumley had the ball a lot in his hands. I, You know, I wish I had the usage rate up. I didn't look for that. I don't know why I didn't do that. I should have done that for you guys. But since the Mason Plumley trade, we've seen – Increased production by P.J. Washington. And so look for that to further and to continue because he's hitting the glass more. Uh, he's shooting better. And I, I don't have those usage rates in front of me, but I have to believe just from what my eyes have seen. And if I look, I'll look it up in a little bit and I'll confirm on the next episode. How about that? But the usage rate for P.J. Washington seems to have gone up since Mason Plumley is now in Los Angeles. And so look for that to further continue. Contract uh, extension coming up this offseason. See where P.J. lands. We'll talk about that more uh, in you know the summer and things of that nature. P.J. someone to watch. And, of course, Bryce McGowan's Kai Jones. I think we're going to see Kai Jones down the stretch. I think he's going to get some of that play. He was recalled to the team. He didn't. He did not receive any minutes. First, he was in a boot for an ankle injury, um, but then that next game against the Spurs, he was available. He did not find any game time, but look for that to increase down the stretch as we see some of these veterans, um, you know, 
kind of phase out of the rotation as the season is just coming to an end and you don't want to you don't want to you know have Gordon Hayward get injured in the last couple of weeks that might extend all the way into the summer things like that which could you know as an expiring contract possibly bring some trade I don't think it will but possibly bring some trade discussion from other teams as an expiring contract you don't want to do anything with Terry Rozier to risk any you know big time injury or anything like that we've experienced enough of that this season in Charlotte and so for trade purposes for team purposes next season whatever it may be I believe that some of those vets are going to find their way to the bench in street clothes. And so we should see some increased minutes for guys like Kai Jones and Bryce McGowan's, who's been receiving good minutes already. And so those are some things that we should be looking for and watching down the stretch. Don't worry about this team winning too much. The Hornets, at worst, are pretty much locked in at the fourth worst record in the league and could dip down into having one of those three worst records in the NBA. Just depends on how uh, Detroit plays San Antonio, Houston. They are going to be your bottom two teams. It's going to come down between Charlotte and Detroit on who can, I guess, lose enough to get the have the third worst record. I mean, that's what you're looking for. And so 14% odds at one compared to 12 and a half. There's not a huge difference. 52% odds at landing top four compared to 48% landing top four between, you know, the difference between a bottom three record and having the fourth worst record. Those odds don't change much. And so I know a lot of Hornets fans are up in arms, winning useless games. What are we doing? All of that, right? At the end of the day, if the fourth worst record ends up with the top pick in the 2023 NBA draft, and that's not the Charlotte Hornets, and it ends up being the Detroit Pistons, we're all going to be kicking ourselves saying, man, we should have beat the Pistons when we played them. We should have we should have pulled one from the Magic when we played them. Okay? And so... Those things, it's just, it's too up in the air. You don't know which way it's going to slide. And so it just is what it is. NBA All-Star Weekend. Little micro segment here called Host and Hoist. Almost messed it up right there. Man, Host and Hoist. When you look back on the best Charlotte Hornets moments, in All-Star Weekend. Number one is hosting. Charlotte hosted the 2019 NBA All-Star Weekend. That is number one best All-Star moment in Charlotte Hornets history, by far. Number two is the hoist. That would be when Glenn Rice hoisted the MVP trophy in 1997, Michael Jordan was looking for that three-peat. He had it in 96. He got it in 98. Current owner and chairman of the Charlotte Hornets, Glenn Rice, put him on a a little break. 
And so in 1997, Glenn Rice hoisting the MVP trophy in the All-Star game when guys still played defense and still kind of played hard, which gets us to is All-Star Weekend broken? So there's a lot of discussion last night. Mike Malone, the head coach of the Denver Nuggets, talking about that was the worst basketball game ever played. I disagree, Mike. Have you ever gone down to your local rec and watched five-year-olds play on a Saturday morning at 9 o'clock? That's way worse, right? At least at least last night we saw some Damian Lillard hitting unreal half-court shots in just regular shooting motion. No hiking the knee, no you know having to do the whole like full court thrust, just pure shot stroking from half court. You don't get that at nine o'clock in the morning at your local rec from five year olds. You just don't. Okay. And so not the worst, but it does beg the question, what has become of All-Star Weekend? You know, is this worth it? We've seen what's happened with the NFL Pro Bowl. Is that what's next for the NBA? And you hope not. That's not what you want. But is that where we're headed? So best event of All-Star Weekend is a three-point contest. By far. Star power, you have all of your big names. Usually have Lillard, Curry, Booker, Tatum, all of your 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 all stars and your best players in the league participate in the three point shootout. Okay, that's by far the best. It brings excitement, just pure shooters. There, uh, you know, you even get guys like Julius Randle, right? You just love seeing that. All right, that's that was awful. That's where Lamelo Ball needed to come in. You telling me people wouldn't have tuned in a little bit? Look, you would have pulled out. I guess they wanted to pull the New York fan base. That's the only thing that you can come from, like the Knicks fan base tuning in for the three point contest. Maybe you pulled some more. I get it. But outside of that, I mean, come on, that's where that's where the Hornets could have could have had a little bit of a inclusion, I guess you could say, in All Star Weekend. That would have been a great contest for Lamelo Ball to take part in. But that is the best, even even with Randall being a part of it. Three point contest is the best. Dunk contest lacks star power. Mac McClung brought some heat though. Kind of reviving that. Well, we say that every year, like so-and-so. I'm going to be honest, on the dunk contest, I'm going to say this real quick. Jericho Sims's armpit dunk, that really wasn't that bad. Everybody's clowning on him. Yeah, the like lead-up was kind of boring because you just kind of dribble, and then you d- like jump normal. There's no twists. There's no turns. You're not 316. You're not going between the legs. You're not, co- you know popping it off the backboard and talking it way back or anything like that. I get it. But, like, dude stuck his armpit in the rim. And, like, I saw the stars and their reaction. It wasn't that bad. It, like, it's it's kind of impressive. The guy stuck his armpit in the rim. I think it's maybe because, like, you go back and, like, we've seen these dunks on video games before. Like, I go back to, like, the GameCube and playing, you know, NBA games, and that dunk was on the game. All you had to do was, like, hit the right buttons. 
and like you could stick your elbow in the rim, you could do your armpit in the rim, things like that. Maybe that's why. And like this generation just like isn't what impressed by it. Okay. But it wasn't that bad, really. But as far as the all star game, this is what happens when you tell guys, all right, that rings are the only thing that matters. And I know that this this point has been reciprocated and told doubly, triply across all platforms. But it's true. When you have a bunch of guys who are gearing up for the NBA playoffs and rings at the end of the day are what matter above all else, this is what you get. You get an all-star game where there's no defense, where guys are not jumping with other guys. You're not trying to you know, roll ankles. You're not trying to get into guys uh, boxing out and just playing physic, you know, a physical type of basketball. This is what this is what you get, and so everybody wants the best twenty twenty five players in the league going at each other, but that's just not what the game has become. I don't think it's as bad as some people say, like. I'm thoroughly enjoyed by these Damian Lillard half-court shots. And when him and Steph were going back and forth last year, year before, and just each time down the floor, they're pulling up from the logo and they're hitting these shots with their normal shooting motion. And then you got a couple guys getting into it last night. Same, uh, Donovan Mitchell, you know, tried to enter that conversation. Jason Tatum was hitting a bunch of shots from the outside. Jalen Brown and um, Jason Tatum going at each other. I thought there that there were some fun moments. But that is severely, I guess, outnumbered by the times where you just dribble and everybody just lets a guy go to the rim and then they, like, finger roll it in, you know? And so... There are some things about the game that I like, but those those moments are so few and far between that it just doesn't make up for the rest of the game. And so I think I think that last quarter, you know, with the target score, I think that would have been better if the game had been closer, but Team Giannis was just drilling Team LeBron. And that's what happens. Like you Jokic made the comment, I'm not I'm not meant for this game. And he's right. He's right. Like, he can't do what Damian Lillard does. He can't do what Jason Tatum does. He can't do what Donovan Mitchell does. And all of these guys, like Damian Lillard should probably be the first pick every single year in the All-Star game. Because what he gives you, like, he's one of the best shooters in the league already. But the, And winning the three-point contest always does well there all of a sudden you're going to throw him in an exhibition game where nobody's guarding him and they just let him shoot come on that guy that that guy's built for the NBA all-star game and so you know those things when you incorporate that it just there needs to be some changes i agree what are those changes you got to have maybe you have to incentivize the players a little bit more. Maybe you need to bring a a competitive aspect 
into the game where these guys want to go at each other. I don't know if you can fix it at this point with the NFL going to what they did. Like this is just kind of where all-star games are at at this point is don't get injured, have a good time, put on a show, all of those things. And so I don't know if you can kind of retroact what the all-star game has become. But, I mean, it's still enjoyable to a degree, I think. I think it's enjoyable to a degree because you have some of the best players in the world out there. They're going to give you some highlight dunks. They are going to hit logo threes and half-court shots and beyond half-court shots, things of that nature. But overall, you do kind of sit there for 80% of the game just bored. Okay. And so – Hopefully, the NBA can do something to fix the All-Star game, incentivize the players, maybe have it uh, have some playoff implications, almost like the MLB has done where whoever wins gets home uh, home field advantage in the playoffs, uh, different things like that. So maybe that's something that could uh, come of it, but with it not being east and west, it, it, it makes it too hard to do that. You'd have to go back to that. And so this just random player draft doesn't really fit that mold anymore. And so I don't know. Um, Charlotte Hornets weren't a part of it. So everybody's talking about how this worst all-star weekend of all time, right? Well, the Charlotte Hornets weren't involved in it. So, you know, that's, that's a plus, right? Can't be mad uh, at any of the Hornets. Well, maybe you can since we did nothing to be represented there. But Charlotte Hornets weren't part of something that's really bad in the NBA from the uh, mass public. So that's a good thing. Take that, Charlotte. Put in your back pocket. Pull that out whenever you want to. Hey, we didn't contribute to the worst All-Star weekend of all time. I don't personally think that it was necessarily. I think that that's just kind of living in the moment a little bit too much. But you know what I'm saying. Thanks for uh, jumping on another episode of Hive Hoops. I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.